0: Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. What's up, church? Hey, man. just want to thank you for coming out to church today. Uh... Honestly, Ted, you had me ready to come up for an altar call. I don't know that I'm prepared to preach now. So, And uh, Jason, Lindsay, I want to thank you for, for inviting everyone to challenge the preaching when I'm preaching. So, so th- thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. <laughs> hey, we're going to jump right into it. So I don't know if you know this, but and just by looking at me how hip and cool I am, um, but I'm actually a gigantic nerd. Uh, just like... You know, maybe it's on the outside a little bit. I don't know if it's a nerd or a geek. I'm not too sure what the difference between those two are. Whatever the one that isn't smart but likes comic books, that's what I am. <laughs> I have always loved superheroes. I loved comic books. Uh, whether it was Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, X-Men, I loved it all. I was, I was uh, uh, just uh, taken, with how, uh, taken with the stories. It, it always amazed me. Uh, to show you kind of how much of a loser I was, I had, damn, uh, I had encyclopedias that described characters' origins and, uh, and their powers in like intimate details. <laughs> Don't judge me, all right? <laughs> I wasn't exactly a cool kid. My wife can attest to that. We grew up and in, in went to school together. Uh, she can attest I was not super cool. I wasn't exceptional in any way. And honestly, I think that might have been why I was, you know, uh, drawn to comic books. Because essentially, comic books are about an ordinary person that something extraordinary happens to. And then suddenly, they're given this supernatural ability. And they can do incredible things. I definitely had moments where I, when I was a kid where I was you know, imagining what it would be like if I was uh, you know, bitten by a radioactive spider or, or exposed to gamma radiation, you know? What if I found out one day I was really an alien and I could fly, you know? <laughs> the, the daydreams of a uh, 10-year-old, right? It would have been incredible, but never did wind up having that extraordinary event. Can't shoot, you know, spider webs or do anything like that. Not cool like that. However, I did become a Christian, which is an extraordinary event, and something amazing happened. And the Bible says that when I met Christ, I was given a supernatural ability, and so were you. So today we're going to talk about that. What is the Christian supernatural superpower? Well, the Christian superpower is that we can live in a world full of filth and sickness and corruption, moral depravity, and we can brush shoulders with it every single day, and yet we can remain clean or, and unblemished. That's amazing. It's amazing. I know you're, you're like, why couldn't it have been flight? <laughs> Our superpower, the supernatural ability that we have is amazing. And it's a, it is supernatural because when you think about it, anything, nature says, that when you take something that's clean, you brush it against something that's dirty, there, there's never a moment in nature where the thing that's clean remains clean. For instance, if I were to give you a white T-shirt, just pristine white T-shirt, and say, hey, put this on and go brush up against my truck. Now, my truck is the rusty, (laughs) dirty one out there. It's got bird poop all over it. Never wash it. It's out there. And so if you brushed up against that, there's nothing that you could do to that T-shirt to keep the dirt from getting on it. And I've seen all the fabrics that, that wick away dirt and all that stuff. It doesn't work. If you brush up against it, you're going to get dirt on it because it's what nature says. And yet we have this supernatural ability that says that we can walk through a world that's full of filth and we can go past it, we can brush shoulders, we can dive deep into the mud and yet we can go on the other side and we can remain pure and white as snow. What an amazing ability that we have. The first person to show this ability was Jesus. Scripture says he came from heaven, and in Hebrews it says that he was tempted, tempted in every way. Jesus brushed shoulders with sinners. He ate at, at the table of tax collectors. He touched the leopard, leopard, well, leper, and yet he remained pure. Jesus was exceptional. We read about him being tempted, and in the very first time, he, you know, he goes into the desert and he's tempted in all these different ways. The devil is is speaking to his his human nature, and yet Jesus is able to choose God over sin. For the first time, someone is able to consistently, always, every single time, without skipping a beat, he chooses God over sin. He was holy all the way to the end. He was perfect all the way to the end, all the way until he went on the cross. And Scripture says that he who was without sin became sin, so that we could have life and have it abundantly. That abundant life that it's talking there, that that calling that that we're called to, abundant life isn't like, hey, we're having a great time. It's an abundant life meaning you are living it holy. You are living up to this expectation of holiness. The Bible says that we can be holy just like Jesus says it. And in fact, it doesn't just say we can be, it says we should be. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, it says, As obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. And then Jesus confirms this, this expectation of perfection In Matthew 5, 48, when he says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Jesus sets a standard that the life that we're supposed to live to, the holiness that we're supposed to live to is the standard set by our father in heaven. That is extraordinary. Every one of us looking around at each other like, man, we could never live up to that. We could never live up to that perfection. And yet we're called to it. The truth is that we can't live up to that perfection. We can't ever get, even move towards that perfection without accessing a supernatural ability that Jesus had. Yeah. Peter tells us how we get that supernatural ability in 2 Peter 1 and 3 through 11. Would you turn there in your Bibles? If this were a comic book movie, this is our origin story. Hey, we're gonna read the scripture. Ted, would you come up with us? We're gonna. Um, I'm gonna have. We're gonna read this passage, and Ted's gonna read it in his right? Is that right? All right. I'm gonna give you a microphone here. Chichua. All right. I'm messing it up, but that's okay. All right. Second Peter, chapter one, starting at verse three. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. (laughs) For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things you will never stumble and you will receive a rich reward in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ amen amen thank you brother thank you God is good, man. So Peter jumps right off the bat, and he says this amazing thing. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Right off the bat, I want to note one thing. It said, the, the phrase has given that it says here is what's called a perfect participle, which is just a language term that means that it's indicating the action has been completed. We're called to this high standard of holiness as high as 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 holy as the heavenly Father is as perfect as he is We're called to that standard. And and in that, we sometimes will ask ourselves, well, there's no way I could live up to that. So I gotta be waiting for some kind of revelation or some kind of tool or some kind of instruction. But Peter is saying here, we've already been given everything that we need in order to live up to that standard. And we've been given it in our knowledge of him. And this is the amazing thing uh, about the scripture. It says that because of our knowledge of him, in our knowledge, it makes makes it so that we can participate in his divine nature that we can participate in his divine nature see jesus was able to resist the devil uh, because he didn't he wasn't held back by his earthly nature he wasn't bound to sin by his earthly nature but he had another nature Scripture tells us that he was fully man, and so that earthly nature was there. But he was also fully God, and so he had a divine nature. And that divine nature gave him the ability to choose. You see, Jesus wasn't incapable of sin. Oh, now I'm going to people in my office here. So, Jesus wasn't incapable of sin. He could have chosen to sin. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been tempted. He was fully man and fully God. He had two natures. And so uh, he's, he's taken out to the desert and, and he's brought there. But Jesus' gift, his supernatural ability, the, 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 the thing that made him different was that he had the freedom to choose God. And when we come into a knowledge of Jesus, not the, not I heard his name on the radio, but when we come into an intimate knowledge of Jesus, when we experience that faith moment where we call on his name and and he, he, he forgives us of our sin, we are able to participate, according to Peter, we are able to participate in his divine nature. Come on, church. So that begs the question, does that mean that when we get saved that we won't sin? No, it doesn't. It just means that when you sin, it's not your nature, it's your choice. You're choosing to sin. Sin is written into the DNA of human nature. Our nature is to choose what satisfies and gratifies our earthly nature. Michael Jackson sang a song about it. Why, why, that is human nature, right? He sang the song. I like living this way. (laughs) Right? Come on, Sierra. Get up. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) It's part of our human nature. Sin is is grafted into our human nature. You'll never notice that as as much as when you look at a small child. I have a four-year-old child, and he's a dirty, rotten sinner. (laughs) Current thing, he's struggling. I love my son more than anything, but man, he's a sinner. His current struggle is plagiarism. <laughs> he'll start singing a song. It'll be Baby Shark or, or the, the, the theme song for, for the show Paw Patrol. And he'll stop singing it and he'll say, I made that song up. <laughs> and I'll say, no, you didn't. And he'll be like, yep, I did. I'm like, that's a blatant lie. <laughs> like, nope, I made it up. Even as small as four, he's got lies in his heart. The best advice, I have, my dad was a pastor for many, he still is a pastor, was, has been a pastor for many years. My favorite piece of advice i ever watched him give to a parent was, he said, you will be a better parent when you realize that your child's a sinner. Ooh, that was for somebody in here. <laughs> We are born sinners. We are born into the earthly nature as a sinner. But when we are saved, when we come into that knowledge of him, our nature changes. Jesus called this being born of the Spirit in John 3. In John 3, 5, he, he says that we can't just be born of water, but we have to be born of the Spirit. And then he tells us why in verse 6. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit. So that means if we are born of his Spirit... Then we are sharing in His nature. If we're born of the Spirit, then we share share in the nature of the Spirit. And yet, so many of us born again believers still fall victim to temptations. We still choose sin over God. Why is that? Well, quite frankly, holiness is hard for us. Jesus was, was fully God and fully man. Jesus was fu- was had divine nature. And he laid that example of, uh, you can say no to sin. But we aren't fully divine. I hate to break it to you, you're not a God. But we get, only get to participate in his nature. So we still have, have that human nature. We still have that fleshly nature hanging around. And our spirit and our flesh are in this constant fight for control over our life. And what they're fighting for is the right to choose. Paul says for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other so that you are not so that you are not to do whatever you want Galatians 5:17 We have a constant battle there is constantly a war waged inside of us fighting for our right to choose God or sin and so because of this battle that's taking place within us, we have to continue to feed our spirit. And that's what Peter tells us to do. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Yeah. Yeah. What Peter's talking about, he's not saying that your faith isn't enough. Faith is, is necessary. Your faith is, 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 is everything. Everything. However, what Peter is saying is you have to continue to feed your faith. You have to continue to grow your faith because if, you're, if you stop your faith at the moment that you meet Jesus, then you're missing out. You're missing out on the supernatural ability that is, is our inheritance as co-heirs with Christ. When we add to our faith, we're leaning into, our, into his divine nature and we're leaning away from our earthly nature. Faith is the requirement. It's like the, it's the base, that, that moment of knowledge coming into our knowledge of him, the, expressing that faith. That's the, that's the starting point. And then we grow our faith and this is what Peter says we have to add. He says we have to add goodness. Romans 12 says, hate what's evil and cling to what's good. There's a lot of people's faith. They haven't gotten around to adding goodness to it. What that means is that the patterns of our life have to change. If you look at your life and you say, "From the moment that I met Jesus, I kind of still lived the same way that I that I was. I just really prayed a prayer." Then you're missing out on your spiritual gift. You're missing out on your inheritance. We're called to separate ourselves from the world, not by, not by walking away from the world, but rather walking through the world and choosing God. James says, therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you, James one. Basically choose what is good. We have to add goodness. We have to add morality to our faith. Then Peter says to, to our goodness, we should add knowledge. And the, the this is talking about our knowledge of God. On a broad scale, we have to know what the Bible says about God. We have to know who it who it says that He is. And on an intimate scale, we have to know what the voice of God sounds like. That's the biggest struggle. That it, just as a, me as a pastor, when I talk about what's your relationship with God look like. It's the biggest struggle that I find is people say, I I don't know what God's voice looks like or what it sounds like. I don't know what to listen for. But you only get that way by familiarity. You only get that way by coming to know who he is. And and one way to think about it is I, I, uh, I I live thousands of miles from my dad. But I had 32 years of, of, of growing close to him and developing a relationship with him. I know him just on a close level. I've seen how he reacts to situations. I've seen what he's spoken. And so, despite the fact that I live, you know, a thousand plus miles away from him, there are situations throughout my day that I come into contact and I'm like, I know what my dad is saying right now to this. I know what his voice is saying. And there's sometimes where I'll call him and sure enough, he says exactly what I thought he was going to say. The same thing with my wife. I know how my wife's going to react to a situation. I'm familiar with her. I've put in the time to know who she is. And so before, when something happens, before I even, uh, you know, call her and tell her, I know what her reaction's going to be. The same is true with God. There will come a time where where God is going to start speaking and you're going to hear God's voice. But if you're at the place where you're like, how do I get started in this? Grow to know who he is. Dig into his word. This, this is him speaking. This Bible, it is him speaking. Grow and know the nature of who God is, his characteristics, what he's like, how he reacts to situa- situations, what, his, what the, the words that he would speak. And I promise you, in your next time, when you go and you meet God in your, in your prayer closet or when you seek him over a situation in your life, you're gonna say, I know what God is saying. I can hear his voice saying it. Grow in our knowledge, and to our knowledge, Peter says, add self-control. Are you practicing self-control in all areas of your life, in your words? Do you have control over your tongue, like James talks about? Do you have control over your emotions? Are you the type of person that, depending on the situation, you're either high or you're low or you're all over the place and you have no control? Having self-control is something that we have to add to our faith, and it's something we have to practice. Do you have self, self-control over your emotions, over your thoughts? Can you determine when something's a lie and when something's true? Do you have control over your behaviors? Peter says, add to self-control perseverance. Is your belief remaining steadfast through your circumstances? Add to your perseverance godliness. This is an interesting one. The word for godliness here is really uh, more accurately more accurately translated as uh, piety or religion, and I know religion can can be a dirty word. Like it's, we don't talk like talk about religion. In fact, often we say that that um, our you know this is about relationship with Jesus, and it's not about religion, which is true. Because our understanding of religion is that it's a, you know, it's a list of rules and regulations of, of how that we can you know, uh, be saved, how we can work out our salvation on our own. And that's just not what it's about. It's about a relationship with Jesus. However, the word religion just means devotion to God. It just means uh, the, being devoted to the obligations that come along with your relationship with God. I was talking to someone not too long ago, and they were, they were saying that they don't believe that they should be faithful in their tithe. And they said, God, that's religion. That's religion. God, God, having there be an obligation on my relationship with God to give 10%, that's religion. And my response was, every relationship that I have in my life, I have obligations. I have obligations to my wife. She does not get 10%, she gets all of it. obligations to my family. Yeah. I have to love them. I have to support them. I have to protect them. Those are obligations of a relationship. Oh, yeah. Church, can I tell you, relationship doesn't excuse you from discipline. Yeah. Oh man, I'm going to say that again. Relationship doesn't excuse you from discipline. Yeah. Relationships come with obligations. Yeah, if you want a relationship to be good, you have to be intentional. Intentional. You have to set aside time. I, I, it, this is really talking about spiritual discipline. It's really talking about making the time that says, hey, you know what? I'm busy, but I have set aside this time for God. I have set aside this time to dig into my word. Hey, Sarah Vandermillen's calling me right now. Should I answer it? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Sarah, I'm preaching right now. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love you, Sarah. Talk to you later. <laughs> That's really funny. Okay, where was I? Obligations. Obligations. Thank you. Yeah. She's on my worship team. That was a pastor moment. We have to be intentional with our relationships. I have to be intentional with my wife. And can I tell you, we have to be intentional with our time with God. If you hear something, hear this today. God's love language is quality time. That's what it is. He's like, hey, come spend time with me. Add to godliness mutual affection, which the NIV changed changed this to mutual affection because it's it's really translated brotherly kindness. So we'll go with brotherly kindness. Add to it brotherly kindness. Are you being kind? And then lastly, add love. Paul says that without love, we're just a clanging gong. Add to your faith grow your faith, feed your spirit. Your flesh is constantly desiring to, to, to may be the thing that makes the choice, but we have to fight off our flesh. We have to, to beat ourselves into submission, not physically, but spiritually, we have to beat our flesh into submission. And we do that by adding to our faith, add to it. The, uh, uh, perseverance, and godliness, and and discipline, and and kindness, and love, add to your faith. And Peter says this the most most amazing thing here. He says that if you do this, you have to do it in increasing measure. That means it's not just a one-time thing. You don't just change, you don't just, you know, uh, have a season of your life where you work on being good, and now I'm going to work on being kind, and I don't have to do good and moral things. It's a constant growth. Do it in in increasing measure. God, may our church be a church of people that add to their faith in increasing measure. And he says, if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, if our growth never stops, then we will have productive faith. Our knowledge of him will be productive. It will be effective. God desires a faith that's productive. In John 15, it, it, he says that, that Jesus says that he's the vine and God is the gardener. And that God is, is going through the vine and he's looking for branches that aren't producing fruit. And he's, when he finds a branch that's not producing fruit, he cuts it off. And then when he finds a, a branch that is producing fruit, he prunes it back so that it can grow more fruit. God desires productive faith. And when we add these things to our faith, God will come along and he'll be like, man, that's a good branch right there. I'm gonna gonna prune it back here. And watch this situation, watch this pruning. It's gonna take him and he's gonna add even more to their faith. And as we do that, as we grow and grow and grow, we are developing our supernatural ability. We're developing our superpower. Because then, in the heat of the moment, when when sin pops up and temptation pops up, we fed our faith enough that we can look it in the face and say, I'm going to choose God. Peter says, if our faith is productive, we will not stumble. Church, can I tell you, we live in a world that is designed to make us stumble. There are stumbling blocks all over the place. It's full of filth, moral filth. It's full of depravity. And it's pressing in closer and closer and closer on us. If there was ever a time that we needed to take a scripture like this seriously, it's now. If there was ever a time that we needed to say, you know what, I need to access the gift that God has given me. I need to participate in his nature. So, I can put to death my nature. Amen. It's now. And we have that amazing promise that if we do it, we won't stumble. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I am not saying that you will never make a mistake, because we do. Sometimes the flesh wins. And I thank God that when that happens, we have grace and mercy. God's provided for that moment. He knows it's gonna happen. It's why he sent his son to die on the cross so that we can receive mercy and forgiveness when we fall short. But the beautiful thing is when we are when we come back to God with a repentant heart, he, he picks us back up and he doesn't push us back down the line. He says, continue on towards the goal. Yeah. Continue on. The goal is perfection. The goal is holiness. That's where we're trying to reach. Strive for that goal. And if you fall down, my son's mercy will pick you back up yeah. and you can keep pressing on. Maybe you find yourself here today, and you say, you know what? I have messed up. I haven't been taking advantage of that. Maybe maybe you're the type of person that you prayed a prayer once, and you said, "I've, I've just never done anything else with it. I thought that was enough. There's mercy for us. There's forgiveness for us. But I wanna challenge you right now. Embrace God's mercy and then add to your faith. Grow in increasing measure and watch what God does in your life. Amen? Amen, Amen. let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for this calling that you've received, that you've given us, that we've received, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that, that you have called us to something greater than we could ever imagine, Lord. And you've supplied us everything that we need in order to, to live up to that, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that we would embrace our knowledge of you, Lord God, that we, would, that we would take that moment of faith that we have, Lord, and we would just add to it, that we would build it up, Lord God and watch as, as you prune us back and as you grow our faith, Lord, and as you, we, you produce good fruit from our life, good fruit from our obedience, God. I pray, Lord, that we would never stop, Lord, but that we would continue to add an increasing measure, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that when we stumble, that your mercy would be quick and your hand to help us up would be quick, Lord. I thank you for that. God, we give you all the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Hey, would you worship with us? Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at ROLMT.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at ROLMT.com. Thanks.